0: Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it!
1: Welcome to the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. It's a Let It Marinate Monday edition of the Final Drive. And if you're a college football fan especially one in this state who loves the 364 days of bragging rights that the Alabama or Auburn winner gets, then this is the perfect spot for you for the next three hours because there's plenty to marinate on in the 2023 Iron Bowl. We'd love to hear from you, 251-694-1055 or you can go ahead and download that free Sound of Mobile app to any Apple or Android device that you have, and you can go ahead and pop off in the app. But I know this much. Nick Wiggins, first of all, hope you had a tremendous and wonderful Thanksgiving, your first Thanksgiving with your beautiful baby girl and family. And also, my brother, I know that you sat and got a chance to see and witness another epic Iron Bowl and why yeah. we call this college football's greatest robbery.
2: Yeah, uh, Izzy, she had her sisters and her mom over, and they are all Auburn fans. And look, I, I, people say I'm an Alabama hater. I think I might just be a gen- a hater in general. Because seeing everyone so upset when <laughs> you guys converted on that 4th and 31. Which first off, you, you love when a play already has like a cool title. But just the dread and shock in their faces. And me just laughing like a like a maniacal evil villain. Look, I'll say this, man. This Alabama f- team, you know, the regular season's over at this point. They've been fun to watch. Every game is exciting. There's always going to be some type of comeback, some type of, oh, man, will we lose this? I mean, if, if these jerseys weren't crimson, this would probably be one of my favorite teams to watch. Nick, I will say this, okay? I, I had a sideline view. Yeah, you have to let, – let's talk about that for a second, Corey. Sure. Let's really just marinate on that. <laughs> this guy, Corey LeBounty, first off, went a little bit viral <laughs> for having the best camera angle of that play. Now, see, sometimes you, a lot of people have done a good job of editing your face out of it <laughs> to where it's just the play. But if you're on Facebook or Twitter, people have put the different audio over it, which we'll play here in a sec. If you, if you see, like, wow, this is the best angle of the touchdown, know that that came from Corey's phone. Now, they edited his... Commentary and (laughs) him putting his little (laughs) selfie uh, face in there at the end—unbelievable, unbelievable. unbelievable. Was it unbelievable, Corey? Tell me five more times. Unbelievable. The best camera angle on all the official Alabama pages. How how was it, Corey, being there and witnessing this all-time Iron Bowl moment and having the best seat in the house? It,
1: It it was. Undescribable, and, and when I say it was unbelievable, not only was it fourth and thirty-one, let's go, let's back that, and it was fourth and goal, right? Fourth and goal, <laughs> right. but so this is not your average hail Mary pass. This was not a hail Mary pass, and this is what I want to hear from those that are listening to us in the app and in the radio. We've heard some great nicknames for this. Of course, you have. The ten-year anniversary of the Kick Six yep. that was celebrated. You have the the cam back. You have mm-hmm. bow over the top. You have wrong way bow. You have this called the mill throw. It's called the grave digger. What should be the all-time name for
2: this twenty twenty-three Iron Bowl? I like it. I I just like fourth and thirty-one. 'Cause just in that name, there are the stakes right there. Fourth and thirty one, no way. Well, they did it. So I th- I like that. That's my favorite well, at this point. I, I know this
1: from the angle that I I was sitting at, and then it came right into the living room, uh right into to my lap, sitting there and and, and having a chance to watch and witness the fans and the frenzy. in Auburn at Jordan-Hare Stadium. I was there in 2021 for the four-overtime game and was standing, Brian Harson was right in front of me as that play ended, had that video footage. I'm going to put that up on our WNSP site as well. Then we turn around, and what I was able to witness, you just can't really put into words Gary Danielson. They try to put it in words as far as trying to describe it on CBS sports. You you listen to this call that we're about to hear of Eli and Tyler Watts. It's one of those that you you you're looking at in our intro. I can't believe what I just saw or unbelievable. Yeah. It, it really was one of those to where the Auburn fans did a tremendous job all game long. And you're waiting for not just one break, not just two breaks, not just three breaks. People focus on the officiating I'll talk about the officiating later on and if you want to call in and talk about the officiating, that's fine too because there were some atrocious calls and atrocious non calls throughout this entire game throughout the entire Iron Bowl, both ways that I felt that did a service, but a disservice to both the teams and the coaches in the way that they participated. but I also say that from just the way that the game played itself out, from having first and goal to go, you look at what led up to that. Yeah, you the look muff, at a, the a muff, muff
2: punt. I thought, wow, Auburn, you really did it. And then the snap over the head, I'm like, no, no. Nick, go back to <laughs> not only the snap over the head. Let's go
1: back before the muff punt. Let's go back to an opportunity where Alabama gets third and 20. Miro gets 19 yards. Yeah and then the guts and the kahunas to call a sweep,
2: a toss sweep on fourth and inches. Right. And how about that hit to make it fourth and inches? If you don't. Stood him up right there. That, that part
1: is, is amazing in and of itself. And I'm okay with the, 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 the fumbled snap because you can say someone clapped at the line of scrimmage or whatever caused that. At the end of the day, it was lost yardage that Alabama had to make up. And Milrow on third down with the loss of down, he knew that he was past the line of scrimmage. You can see the expletives that Nick Saban blurted out, look, just run the ball. Just run it, and you'll get half of that. But that's what made this Iron Bowl even more epic. It wasn't just one chain of events. It was a series and domino chain of events. And I know that Eli Gold and Tyler Watts, And my buddy Tom Stipe, who we had on the show on Friday, they were able to sync up the video that I shot with the audio of the Crimson Tide Sports Network broadcast, and we'd like to play that for you.
0: Fourth and goal from the 31-yard line. Here's the snap, Milrose stands in, lets everybody get downfield, still standing, he throws into the end zone, he caught it. it's caught, it's caught by Isaiah Bond, caught
2: video ends just as Corey begins to turn his phone <laughs> back to his face.
3: <laughs> well,
1: you have to prove that you were in That's the right. moment. That's right. Because you can take anybody's footage and say, yeah, I was there. I shot it. No, sir. That's right. You have to prove that you were in the moment and you were there. <laughs> and I can say you could not have asked for a better college environment, a better and more beautiful day than what we had at kickoff, close to 68 degrees, sunny Everyone was excited, and you knew from the kick Alabama comes in, goes up 7-0, then all of a sudden Auburn answers, and you're like, okay, we're going to have a great day today. And it's going to be one of those football games that, Nick, I know last week you didn't get a chance to, to hear all the misery from the Auburn fans after the New Mexico State yeah. loss, but you kind of knew that that was setting the table for an epic Iron oh, yeah, Bowl. You knew they'd be fired up. And – In the app, some great nicknames. Nightmare at Jordan Hare. Tears on the Plains. Miro Miracle. Yeah, I I, I think that those are all great. Disaster in the Pasture is one I've seen. The Crying Six is another one that I've heard. Keep those coming in the app with nicknames. The Mill Throw. I love the Mill Throw because... You, you, you just—it was not a hail mary, as many people described. Nick Saban, in his press conference afterwards, talked about that's something that they practice. That is something that the Crimson Tide do work on, and I believe it's something that they have to work on every single day. When you look at it, and he talks about if you're at it long enough, Nick Saban. I, we'll play that audio. It's about a minute long, and about in this rivalry and in football, if you're around the game long enough, what you'll see?
4: I guess if you're in this long enough, sometimes it goes against you in the last play of the game. And sometimes you're fortunate and it goes for you. And uh, our players really stepped up, uh, got a couple stops when we needed to on defense, which we didn't play great uh, all day, but we got stops when we needed to. And offense put some drives together and we overcame adversity. You know, bad snap when we got an opportunity to, to score and um, then we make a, a great play on fourth down. Uh, it's kind of a reality check, though. Uh, I think that's what I told the team afterwards. Um, you know, sometimes it cannot be a great thing when you don't play really good and win, even though it's great to win. But everybody needs to have a reality check and build on the good things that we did and there were a lot of good things in this game. Uh, But also, we got to fix the things we need to fix uh, because we're going to play a really good team next week in the SEC Championship game.
1: And as far as Hugh Freeze, on the flip side of that, Hugh Freeze, Nick, I know that there was some audio of Hugh Freeze talking about the hurt in the locker room, the hurt in the locker room that he felt, that the team felt, And it's going to be in that that latest WNSP update there about Hugh Freeze after the game. I was waiting to to hear what he had to say because there's just not enough words to probably paint the correct picture for what we all witnessed, what the country and the world witnessed on 4th and 31. Hugh Freeze.
5: First, really proud of our kids and the way they fought and prepared. Um, But obviously, it stinks to... uh, to, to not get the win tonight and. We just we didn't play good enough at uh, in the critical moments uh, had a turnover. with was probably three minutes to go or four minutes to go and and uh, then obviously didn't execute uh, fourth and whatever it was there and then it really came down to those few plays in, in a game like this. But, uh, man, it's it's a lot of hurt in that locker room, and it stinks. Um, our kids gave themselves a chance to win the Iron Bowl tonight, and and uh, that's going to stick with us for a while.
1: 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us, or you can reach us in the app. We'd love to hear from you in the app. Already got some great Nicknames for this particular iron bowl. Fadoosti wants to know is number 65 for Alabama still holding the defensive lineman for Auburn? Uh, you know, I, like I said, as far as from the officiating, it, it, it was subpar, to say the least. Subpar on both ends because some of the highlights when I had a chance to get back to, to the house and rewatch the game, there were definitely, even on the Jumbotron during the game, when the Bluebirds. You, When you have 80,000 boo birds come out really, really, really loud, you know it's an egregiously missed call. Mm-hmm. You know, you can boo thinking that thinking that they did miss a call, but when you show it on replay and then it gets super-duper loud, that's when you know. Whether it's missed face masks, whether it's missed with illegal shifts, whether it is the, Alabama's kicker absolutely getting teabagged afterwards on a play to where there definitely should have been a, a flag th- f- thrown in that situation. You see Burton get smacked upside his head in the end zone after the, the the championship or the final play. So there's so many calls that were missed in the game, and I, I think that I'm not going to do a disservice to what the game wound up being, the epic finished right. because it wasn't a missed call that actually Auburn had
2: every opportunity to win that game. See, I, I maybe I'm in the minority, but I've, I've never been one to really get all wrapped up in the bad call, ruin yeah. the game. Yeah. You know, the, you, you'll you hear players talk about it. They really don't even put too much stake into it. I mean, the referees are an aspect of the game. Yes. You, you know, depending on who your crew is, it's almost just another hurdle to overcome. There are missed calls on both sides, but – it ended up being an all-time finish in the Iron Bowl. So can we really be that upset about it? No. You know, if all those same calls get called the same way and that 4th and 31 pass went out of bounds, I'm sure half the people who are saying, hey, quit crying about the refs, would be crying about the refs. But because the outcome went one way or the other. So I just, come on, guys. You 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 lose or you win.
1: Listen, you can't pinpoint the officiating being the difference in this Iron Bowl 2023. Were there missed calls? Absolutely.
2: We'll continue to say that. Show me a football game where there's not missed calls. Exactly. And look, you make it. There's there's how many how many downs are played in a whole game of football? You know, you have a a bad call on what five percent or less of them. The other ninety five percent of the plays are what dictates the game more so than just those few. We just look at them with a magnifying glass, and they're an easy. It's, just, it's an easy excuse. Yeah. And, and, and listen, I don't
1: think on fourth and 31, what I hated is the fact I love my 251. Love 251. Love anybody who comes from this area, whether they play FBS, whether they play FCS, whether they're a junior college, I love to see local athletes do well. I hate the fact that DJ James, one play does not and is not going to dictate and determine his career. His success at Oregon, his success at Auburn, his success of being invited to the Reese's Senior Bowl, DJ James is still one hell of a defensive back. You hate to be immortalized in that play, and you hate the fact that we have a connection to him through Spanish Ford and through what he was able to accomplish throughout his career, and for him to have his last game at Jordan-Hare Stadium to end like that, that's unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. But it would have been unfortunate for any defensive back, for any member of the Auburn Tiger who played one hell of a game to, to lose in that fashion. Because there's so many things that had to go perfectly right. And they did. And I know that you, you you again. You cannot pinpoint Auburn if you rush more than 3, do you win the game? Maybe. If Auburn rushes 6, do you win the game? Maybe. If you have a pass interference on that play instead of letting them convert
2: it, does it give you another a down? Right. Sure it does. Now and and see it's like would you rather be robbed of that moment? You know what I'm saying? Like how lackluster would the ending of that game have been? if they would have been like, oh, we're going to call that pass interference, and it's like, oh, my gosh, that is the most touchy-feely pass interference call you could ever call. Like, remember during the Super Bowl when they called the pass interference and, like, he barely touched him, and everyone was like, wow, you just gave the Chiefs the Super Bowl. Now, all of a sudden, we have a very minor push-off. It's like, oh, man, why didn't you call? It? And then what? And then we don't get that cool catch. He get, makes the catch, and it doesn't count. It, it's nice when – Big, miraculous plays like that, stand, and we have fun, exciting endings to football games. Love it. And the fact that it's the Iron Bowl, another historic— Nick
1: Saban's been in 17 or 18 Iron Bowls, and over a third of those have been coming down to the last possession, to the last play. You look two years ago, you have to go 97 yards with Bryce Young— I'm quite sure you can find flags and penalties on that drive too. On every play, I'm sure. But again, Alabama still had to find a
2: way to They overcame adversity. To battle through that adversity. And look, just imagine like if they did call it and then all of a sudden we're getting five minutes of referees reviewing it. And if it was a pass interference or if it was a touchdown. No, look. It's a touchdown. Let's have fun. It was a fun football play. It worked out. If you're an Auburn fan, it didn't work out for your team, but I mean, it's got to be at least some form of moral victory for Auburn. Just as a season recap, how y'all played against Georgia, how you hung with Alabama. You know, feel feel excited about what Hugh Freeze is capable of and can he get is you to going it with to nothing. Get it done.
1: He's going to get it done. And, and I'm telling you right now, I took and, and and for those that didn't see it, I'll post it as well on WNSP's Twitter. The fact that two Mr. Footballs were in the same picture, DeMarco McNeil, Ryan Williams, K.J. Lacey, myself all taking pregame
2: warm in the know, pregame. My, my guy, Corey, with the mo- he looking like Ellen uh, that year at the Oscars with some of the most famous uh, selfies of all time. My man is out there, uh, you know. Feeling like Hollywood. No, Speaking I, I will say this again. Really basking in the moment, man. I was happy. I was seeing all the clips. I'm like, man, I'm happy for my guy. I know you're having a great time. Man, out
1: there. I, I was. It, it was. It was great because you got a chance to see so many people that that you that you respect so much. Ronnie Brown, Demarco McNeil sitting there before the game. And and look, you can say that it was pass interference, offensive pass interference at the end. You can say it's defensive pass. You can say whatever you want to. It's not going to change the outcome that we witnessed one of the top five Iron Bowls of all time. And it's crazy. Listen to what I just said, Nick. On fourth and goal from the 31, that is one of the top five Iron Bowls of all time. One of the top five Iron Bowl finishes of all time. And, And that's
2: what's amazing when you look at this entire game. And what a cap on the regular season, you know, if you're writing a movie or a story. You know, we see the start of Jalen Milrow. Oh, this guy can't throw. All he can do is this. And then the final play he has in the regular season in the biggest rivalry in America, he's able to complete one of the best passes in the best spot where he could have put it at. Like it's just it's in storybook. Bounds. I love when sports it feels like a movie, and and that was just like a a storybook ending. I feel to the regular season.
1: So again, don't blame it on the officials. Don't sit and say. And and again, whether you're an Alabama fan, whether you're an Auburn fan, it it whether you're just a football fan in general, the officiating should have and and could have been a lot better than it was because there were missed calls on both sides of the football which is what made the ending so much better because at the end of the day auburn had an opportunity was one play away one yard away from taking that victory away from alabama and ruining its national championship opportunities and now you know the sec championship game
2: just got a whole lot bigger it means something it, it means what a somber week <laughs> weeks it would have been at this radio station <laughs> no question about it <laughs> that's that's how it that went
1: i'd have been having a blast it, no question about <laughs> it tony sakalas got a chance to meet him at the game at the iron bowl he'll be joining us here at 3 30 continue to keep those comments flowing in the app here on wnsp 105.5
6: Hey, this is Showtime Boxing Analyst, Steve Farhood, and you're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 WNST.
2: Welcome back to the final drive. Real quick here, just want to give you guys a heads up. This Friday, during our show, it's actually going to be the SEC Championship Preview Show. Once per hour you'll have the chance to win a $50 gift card. Yeah, try and get on our level now, Lee. And that's going to be during the (laughs) Felder Shredding Trivia Challenge. You'll also be able to relive some of the greatest moments in SEC Championship history during the Blue Herring Landscape flashbacks. That's this Friday from 3 to 6, the SEC Championship Preview Show presented by Elder Shredding, Blue Herring Landscape, American Power Equipment, American Waste Solutions, and Rockin' Roll-Offs. And look, we're going to be hearing from a lot of former players who have played in the SEC Championship Games because this is the last time that the SEC Championship is going to be between the divisions. So, we gotta, you know, make our mark in history and go back in time. Let you guys win. And look, that's not. That's a $50 gift card every hour, people. So that's pretty good. And look, coming up next, my guy Corey just showed me a video. He was chumming it up with Miss Terry. But look, we're going to talk with Tony Sakalis. and Auburn fans. I'm sorry, but look, this is Corey's day. This is bigger than Corey's birthday, so we're going to let him have it. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, this is David Morris of QB Country. When I'm in my car, always have it tuned in to 105.5 WNSP, the sports station. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. It's a Let It Marinate Monday edition of the final drive As this past Saturday. In college football, there was plenty to marinate on, whether it was as an Alabama fan on Friday night, looking to see if you were going to get any help from Oregon, looking to see if you were going to get any help from Texas, and then knowing that that help was not going to come on Friday. So Saturday, you knew, let's see what's going to happen in this Ohio State Michigan game and the great finish that was there in Ann Arbor. And then you turn around and you're in the press box area at Jordan Hare Stadium, and you know that look this game is turning out to be something that i think could go down to the wire and of course you go down to the field and you get a chance to witness history there on fourth and goal from the 31 and i know someone who i was sitting next to in the press conference afterward was tony sakalis and i went up to tony and said tony it's a pleasure to finally meet you face to face how's
7: everything going tony yeah, it's going pretty well. It's been a wild few days, but I'll tell you what.
1: It, it really has. And, I mean, Tony, we, we've seen, to me, what, why I call the Iron Bowl the greatest college football rivalry ever. And you look here in Nick Saban's tenure as head coach, whether it's the comeback, whether it's the kick six, whether it's the drive, whether it's the four-overtime win or now, There's so many names that I've seen out there. One of the things that we're doing today is for all our listeners to come up with the great name, whether it's the mill throw, the grave digger. I've seen, you know, the disaster in the pasture. Unbelievable finish to what was an epic Iron Bowl, Tony.
7: Yeah, the thing I came up with right after the game, or right after the throw, was uh, Hail Milrow, just because of Hail Mary. But, yeah, I think there's some other good ones out there as well.
1: Yes, and I mean, the the situations like I talked about earlier in the show that got us to the point that we were at in the game to where Auburn muffs a punt and then you look at not only them muffing the punt, you go back and Alabama winds up being third and 20, fourth and one, call a toss sweep on fourth and one, and if that's not perfectly executed, it's disaster and we're talking about that, and then you look at why he didn't run the football on third down and he gets the penalty called the loss of down and then the great throw that was in bounds to Isaiah Bond I mean just so many things had to go the way that they needed to go for Alabama to be on the winning side of this game
7: Definitely uh but they also overcame a lot too I mean it was like an up and down thing it wasn't just all fortuitous plays for Alabama I mean they, they had the uh the the bad snap and you know we found out uh, yesterday that that was you know brought on by uh you know clapping from auburn's defense but like that is a killer in momentum and then also in yardage you go from second and nine to third and 20 you know and like that's hard to recover from when you need a touchdown so uh i mean that was that was a pretty crazy moment that they have to overcome. You know, they had to overcome, you know, just the, the swing and momentum that in some of those games. They shot themselves in the foot with some penalties, uh, took some points off the board. So, I mean, like, it was a crazy game. I, they really should have beaten that Auburn team by a lot more. Alabama's a way better team than than that Auburn team. But that, that's what, you know, you were talking about it being the best rivalry. That's what this rivalry does, especially in Jordan-Hare. It's, uh, you know, Auburn has no business hanging with Alabama. But inside Jordan-Hare, when everything's clicking and they can take advantage of that, you know, environment, then you know they were able to do that, and you know that's a credit towards Auburn. And you know, I think it's a sign of what Auburn could become under Hugh Freeze. Uh, they don't have the pieces there right now, but I mean, uh, I think that you know they hinted at you know what they what they can be. Um, but you know, it was a it was a crazy game. You know, like on paper, it won't look great for Alabama because they beat a six and six team. They barely scraped by. And needed a tailbury to to beat the six and sixteen, but uh for those people that were there that saw it that that know what this rivalry is about I mean you it, the the whole i don't know adage of just throw directed you know out the window that seems so tired, but in this really in this game, you kind of have to do that, especially when this game is played in Jordan Harry It's just some supernatural stuff that uh really just propels the the tigers and uh It's really fun to watch when those games are in Jordan-Harris.
1: And, Tony, I know that Nick Saban had his press conference today in preparation for Georgia and the SEC championship game, and one of his opening statements in his opening presser was Nick Saban. So when I went to church yesterday, the first thing I said was, thank God what could have happened didn't happen. And I was sitting right next to Miss Terry in the press conference there after the game. And she kind of explained and felt the same sentiments. But it really could have gone the other way for Alabama. And I know today in the press conference, Coach Saban, what was the most interesting statement that he made out of today's press conference for you?
7: I mean, probably that one's the one that caught my eye the most. Uh, just you know, heard caught my ear, I guess, the most. It's just kind of this is kind of funny. Uh, I think that's kind of what every Alabama supporter, or staff member, or player—they are all feeling that, right? I mean, there's just so many. Uh, you know, if, if you didn't go to church as an Alabama fan on Sunday, uh, you, <laughs> when are you gonna go? Because I tell you what, they—they they have a lot to thank to thank God for. Um, you know, that that was a heck of a win, and you know, I think, you know, one of the things he said after the game was, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to be lucky on on a play like that, but also, you know, you can talk about, you know, being lucky and being fortuitous, but a lot of that is creating your own luck, And, and I think that's, you know, Nick Saban has downplayed the The voodoo, if you will, or the luck that Auburns received in the past and said like look they they've just been they've just beaten us, they've played better in some of those games. It wasn't you know, and it's it's another thing like you know Alabama did a lot to lose that game, but then at the end they did a lot to win it as well. You look at the the nineteen yard run from Jalen Noro uh, on third and twenty I mean a lot of people. A lot, of, a lot of teams, when they got third and 20 in a situation like that, they throw an incomplete pass or maybe run for seven yards, and then it sets up a fourth and 13 that's not that manageable. But, you know, credit to Noro for getting 19 yards on that play, and then they have a really good fourth and one conversion. Um, you know, it's kind of a – I think people will look and be like, oh, well, the offensive line messed up the snap again. But, you know, the offensive line it was not working out of a silent count, which means that they had to be audible – in that crowd, in that environment. Um, And if you look at it, I think there was one slightly early snap from Seth McLaughlin earlier in the game, but for the most part, until that last snap, you know, the offensive line didn't have any pre-snap penalties. Seth McLaughlin wasn't miss snapping the ball. And that's a really tough environment to be doing that as well. So like, that's another thing too, that you maybe not get enough credit is like how well the offensive line performed. Only one sack allowed. Um, against Auburn, you know, I think you're seeing more growth from this team. So, yes, they were lucky, but they also created some of that luck. Um, and I think it's kind of a case of, like, you know, ball don't lie kind of thing. You know, if you, if you do enough right things, it doesn't matter what happens to you adversity-wise. It, it tend, good things tend to happen, and I, I think that, uh, you know, that's probably what happened with Alabama.
1: Tony Sakala is joining us this afternoon. And, of course, you can catch all of Tony's coverage because he's the managing editor for Tide Illustrated. And when you look at zero turnovers for the Crimson Tide, I think that 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 winds up being a huge factor in this game as well. Eight penalties for 72 yards, and a, a couple of those resulted in loss of downs for Miro not tucking it and running it. And being beyond the line of scrimmage, but no turnovers in Jordan Harris Stadium, and still holding Auburn there to four out of twelve on third downs. That's huge.
7: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's another part of Jalen Murrow's game that you know he, you know, he had the I think like what two hundred and fifty six, hundred fifty nine yards. I forget which on one it was, and one hundred and seven yards on the ground. Um, but the big thing is he didn't have a turnover. You know, I mean, he could easily. Throwing an interception in that environment. Look, I mean, uh, Mac Jones ended up being one of the best quarterbacks, maybe the best quarterback in Alabama history. First time playing in Jordan. Hare has two pick sixes. It's tough to go in there having never gone in there before. Uh, Bryce Young, until he had that game-winning drive, really didn't move the ball like you know we're used to seeing Bryce move the ball. So um, it's a tough place to play as a young quarterback and somebody that hadn't been in that environment before. And so, yeah, he, he handled it really well. I think not giving up those turnovers was, was really big. Uh, you know, And it's like with Jalen Miro this year, he does so many different things, and it's running the ball, and it's not always – he's not going to always have those 300-yard games, and he's not a finished product yet. He's not somebody that you're wondering, oh, is he going to go to the league this year? He's not. He's not an NFL quarterback yet, and who knows if he'll even develop into one, but he's still got that work in progress. I think he has a, a, a higher ceiling than maybe most people give him credit for. Um, but I, you know, I think he'll tell you he's an unfinished product. The thing that you got to look for him is, is his decision making. Which I know at times you should have tucked the ball, but there was also some some times where I thought that in the past he would have tucked it and kind of maybe scrambled instead of keeping his eyes downfield. And I think there was definitely some times. You know that you got to give him credit for as well for stepping up in the pocket instead of just tucking the ball and running and, and really making some great throws, especially early in the game. So um, you can see that growth from him, uh, and uh, yeah, I wrote about that today. And I, I just you can really see the growth from Jalen Muro and uh, it's encouraging. And I don't, I think they've gone from winning despite him to winning because of him. And this is the one of the biggest games uh, that really exemplifies that.
1: Yeah, it definitely exemplifies that without question. And, and also, two of the, the, the special teams, the third phase of the game, always gets overlooked. Always, always, always. And we had two of the best kickers in the SEC. Will Reichert is now tied for the NCAA's all-time leading score, And you also had Alex McPherson, who – He kicked the 21-yard field goal, but to have two phenomenal kickers on the field at the same time and really look at what Will Reichert has been able to accomplish not only in his career, but also when you look at him missing one and be able to bounce back, Burnup also having a tremendous night, including uh, some critical punts with some great hang time on it. I love Alabama special teams play.
7: Yeah, definitely, and it wasn't always perfect. You know, you you had James Burnep shank a punt. You had uh, Will Riker, um miss a field goal that he never he didn't never miss the kick in the Iron Bowl until that field goal, and you know that field goal would have actually given him the record. You know, the outright. Um, but you know those things kind of happened. I think just the uh, the way that uh, you know obviously you had Jahad Campbell fall on that fumble, right? But you know, as Saban pointed out, uh, that was a great kick uh, kick by James burnup and. You need a nice booming punt like that to give your defense enough time to get down and get under the ball, and you know that play doesn't happen if Burnup, you know, shanks the punt or kicks it too low, and you know the, the returner gets to catch it. You know, so I, I think you know those little things of you know you don't you don't really take you, you kind of take for granted doing the right thing sometimes. They're like you know it, sometimes it doesn't seem like a regular good punt that gets unnoticed because it's just you know if that guy fair catches the ball then that play becomes kind of meaningless because, you know, it's just, it's just a nice punt, just an afterthought. But getting that, that shows you the importance of doing your job. It, it shows you the importance of James Burnup getting that nice punt off, and then that's exactly why in Jihad Campbell's situation, you run down every single punt, and you, you're always aware because you never know what the moment's going to be and when the opposition's going to slip up, and you have to be ready yourself to – you know, be ready for those opportunities. So I think those are all like, not to sound like Nick Saban, but I mean, that's kind of like what he preaches to his team is to be ready for those opportunities. And to out credit, they were
1: Yeah, they really did. And I want to get your thoughts on this SEC championship game because it's one that a lot of people have been looking forward to since two years ago. And Kirby Smart versus Nick Saban. It's, it's the GOAT versus someone who is trying to he's been grazing in the same pasture as the goat and is trying to get his third national championship in a row and make his own history want to get your thoughts and predictions for this year's sec championship game
7: yeah i I think you know it's maybe the goat against the king right because i think the goat you would say greatest of all time i think nick famous it's going to take a while for kirby to pass him if he ever does uh, right now though, I you don't think you can argue that Kirby having back to back championships and an undefeated number one team, he's the king right now. You know? Um he's you know, until Nick Saban can be thrown to him again, you know, Kirby Smart's the king. And so I, I you know, um it's gonna be tough. I, I <laughs> it's hard to pick against this Alabama because it's just uh it keeps on going and going and every time you wanna doubt it it's there. You know, it, it, it preserves a perseveres, sorry. And uh you know, you look at this Alabama team and you've seen it in the past, it seems like this Alabama team the the light bulb has gone off for it. And I know it sounds cliche, but we've seen Alabama teams that have a lot of talent that just, you know, weren't ready when the big moment happens. And I, I think this Alabama team, now it's run defense has got to be a lot better than it was on Saturday. But I, I think when you look at this team, the way Jalen Murro's playing, the way the offensive line's improved, it's starting to do some of the stuff that you thought it would do at the beginning of the season. And I think I know Georgia's played some some tough games. I know Missouri played them tough, and I, I know, you know, um, they're, they're a really good team. They're the best team Alabama will face, even if they make the playoffs and Georgia doesn't. This will be the hardest team Alabama plays all year. I think, you know, those two teams right now are the best two teams in the nation. I don't I don't care what the playoff committee says, That that's what I feel. Um, and I think Georgia is right now the best team in the nation. Um, so it's going to be tough, but, you know, I think this Alabama team can do it. I, I You know, it's tough to continuously win games like Georgia has done. And it's even tougher when you necessarily haven't been tested with a team like, like they will have been tested with Alabama. Um, so I could see Alabama winning a close one. I could see Georgia winning one, too. I'm not totally made up my mind. I think if you had me pick, I think you know just after seeing Alabama come off this win, it doesn't seem like anything that can stop them, any kind of adversity. So I guess right now I'd pick Alabama. Maybe on Thursday I might change my mind. But – uh, uh You know, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a great game, and you know, regardless of what happens, if both of these teams are somehow kept out of the playoffs, which I mean, I guess that would have to be for Alabama winning, that's a shame. Because I, I'd love to find a way to get both of them in the playoffs. I think these are the two best teams in college football. I really do. Um, And it's going to be a shame if somehow, you know, if Alabama beats Georgia and they both get left out. Like, to me, the playoffs not even worth watching because. And those are your two best teams, and how do you leave both of them out? So I don't, I don't know. That's not, you know, I guess that's the playoff committee's, uh, you know, decision to make. But for me, just you know, watching these two teams, uh, I, I think that we're going to see the top two teams in college football on Saturday. How can people follow you, Tony? Yeah, the site's com or you can go to alabama.rivals.com. Uh, you can follow me at Tony underscore on X, or you can follow us at Tide Illustrated on X.
1: Thank you so much, Tony. Appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you on Saturday in Atlanta. Yeah, of course. Tony Sucalas, our guest this afternoon on The Final Drive.
6: Hello, this is artist Daniel A. Moore. You are listening to WNSP Sports Radio.
0: The Sound of Mobile presents... For the win! the final drive no they didn't oh my gracious yeah. how about that with Corey LaBounty and dick wiggins For the live on 105.5 fm and streaming on the sound of mobile app oh,
1: oh, unbelievable. welcome to our number two of the final drive on wnsp 105.5 it's a let it marinate monday edition of the final drive and always love to be joined by my partner Nick Wiggins and we all witnessed history Saturday at the Iron Bowl but let's talk about what was at stake Alabama has now won four straight Iron Bowls Auburn has lost 11 straight games to ranked opponents and still at stake For the Crimson Tide, no college football playoff team, no two-loss team has ever made the college football playoffs. And that jumps us right in to our AP poll that came out yesterday. Our college football playoff poll will come out tomorrow. But Georgia remains at number one in the AP poll. Michigan now goes to two. Washington is at three. Florida State at four, Oregon at five, Ohio State at six, Texas at seven, Alabama at eight, Missouri at nine, and Penn State at ten. Right outside of that top ten, Nick Wiggins, is Ole Miss at 11. Alabama has defeated Ole Miss. LSU is at 13. Alabama has defeated LSU. And then when you look at the fact that you also have – Georgia being undefeated entering the SEC championship game. Is it in any way possible for Alabama to run the table, defeat the number one ranked team, not only in the AP poll, not only in the college football poll, but in the coaches poll as well, and still get left out of the college
2: football playoffs? I mean, it's definitely possible, especially with Ohio State Still being over you guys. Now, I know this isn't the college football playoff poll, but let's be honest, it's not going to be much different than what we're looking at here probably.
1: Well, I, I know this. You do look at the fact that a lot of Alabama fans were like, good grief, Florida. What do you, why can't you help us out just a little bit? It came down to the fourth quarter, and Florida did Alabama absolutely no favors. You look at Oregon having an opportunity to handle their business, and Bo Nix looking like he wants to definitely have an invite to New York and become part of the Heisman Trophy lore, and make history with him transferring from Auburn to yeah. Oregon so. and winning a Heisman Trophy. Still a strong possibility there for Bo Nix.
2: I mean, look, so you know that Oregon or Washington is going to be out of the mix? Yes. But see, that's, that's a question like if Oregon beats Washington, do they place them below Alabama? It, it's gonna, it's gonna depend on how. And Ohio, there's no way that Ohio State can lose another game. Ohio State, but it, Ohio State is sitting there over Alabama. I don't Over really, Texas. I
1: think Ohio State is ahead of Alabama because of Alabama's loss head-to-head with Texas. And also with the fact that Ohio State just had their first loss here in right. week number
2: 12. To so the number two team in the nation. Correct. Correct. So Man, I, honestly, I, I, I don't know what the odds are, but I don't know. But see, then it's like if this number eight Alabama team— Beats number one Georgia. I don't know whether man. it's
1: a one point it's win tall. or whether it's a ten I, point win,
2: I a know. It, point win. It's just so
1: hard. The resume test is what you're gonna have to sit there and look at. you y'all can't really, look at the, the the eye test. The eye test will fool you, just I, like fourth and thirty one
2: will fool you. I feel like y'all are just like gridlocked at number eight. That's where we've been. Like stuck. it's like you can't you can't go much higher. And you're not going to go any lower. Right. It's, it's a weird thing this year with this college football playoff because, I mean, Ohio, like Ohio State might have a better chance to get in than y'all, even if y'all beat Georgia. Because that would mean Georgia drops. Washington or Oregon would drop. So it could be Michigan and Ohio State in the playoff with an Alabama sitting out, even if they beat Georgia. Like, y'all beating Georgia could just kick Texas and Ohio State in. What's great about this weekend is this, that if Alabama had lost
1: to Auburn, all this would have been a moot point. The SEC championship game loses a lot of the sizzle that it now has because what you're looking at is the fact that Georgia, to me, They are a better football team than Alabama. I think I I said that. I'm not going to shy away from it. I said it
2: a year ago. I'll say it again this year. I think Georgia is going to beat y'all. But like I said, man, early in the show, this Alabama team, they just always got something up their sleeve, I feel, whether it be bad or good. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a close game. But y'all got to win that game. It's – It's tough because y'all have to win that game, and that doesn't even mean y'all are going to get in. Correct. I mean, you can can take care of your business. It's much easier to sit and
1: say Alabama wins the Iron Bowl and continues, let's say they do beat Georgia. Now you'll have a lot more politicking and you'll have a lot more strength of schedule and the eye test and the resume test. You're going to have to go ahead and arrange all of those things because – What Alabama needed to do is, first and foremost, win the Iron Bowl. They did that. But they needed to do so in dominating fashion, which they did not do. They needed to have that type of win to where they left no question in anyone's mind to where they could continue to raise that ladder. But you are stuck right in neutral these last few weeks when you look at this overall poll to where you're you're not being able to leapfrog Texas. Now, I love the fact that Oklahoma State – a team that South Alabama smacked around like they were nobody's business, right? I mean, just absolutely abused Oklahoma State in Stillwater. water. This is the same Oklahoma State team that has a chance to redeem itself and play spoiler. Yeah, so, they're, they're not, though. So you think that Texas is going to go ahead and handle their business against
2: Oklahoma State? I think all of the top teams are going to handle their business. I think Michigan is going to be a lock. They're going to beat Iowa. Uh, Washington and Oregon, one of them is in, one of them is out. Okay. Who is it? I don't know. Florida State, I think, is going to be fine. I think they're going to take care of business against Louisville. If Florida State, for some reason, does not. So, look, that's three teams right there. That's Michigan, Michigan. Washington or Oregon, Florida State. Georgia's going to get in if they beat Alabama. But if Alabama beats Georgia, it could be Texas. It could be Ohio State. It honestly probably might be Texas. I don't think y'all are getting in, man. If you leave, if Georgia
1: somehow loses to the Crimson Tide and Alabama is the SEC champion. I mean, do you have to reward a team? To me— you, it's hard to leave a one-loss Georgia team out of the college football playoffs as
2: well. Yeah, if their only one loss is to Alabama in the SEC Championship. Which, now that's uh, the only possibility for Georgia at this s- point in time. Yeah, they have to run the table. They can't lose this game. Because, see, you know, let's go back in time to when I talked about Alabama jumping Texas and, you know, basically this weird... Kerfuffle we have where you can never be ranked higher than a team that beat you mm-hmm. so in that logic that Jake Crane and a lot of listeners scoffed at and laughed at me, you being one of them, Alabama can never be higher than Texas right are you rethink are you rethinking that theory no, now th- he, here's here's the theory because that I, I have. think that if a team if you're the number eight team, 11-1, and you lost one game, and then you go and beat the number one team, the undefeated team, with your last game of the season, that has to be rewarded with some movement. I don't think just because, oh, but remember y'all lost to Texas? Like, in week two? You know, I feel like that's just, I don't know, but that's just me. A lot of people think differently. I know
1: this. The the committee is really going to earn every single dime that that, that, they are, that they have right here making these decisions. Because it can be college football chaos. It can still occur. Because Florida State is going to sit there and say, listen, if we beat Louisville and we are undefeated, there's no way we should even be thought about being left out oh, they're, of they're the a college lock. football See, those, playoffs.
2: See, those are the three locks. Michigan... Washington or Oregon, Florida State. Georgia's a lock if they win. If Georgia loses, that's when the chaos really comes into play. Could it be Ohio State? Could it be Texas? Could somehow they're like, you know what, Georgia, you lost one game. We're just going to drop you this far. You know? Or would it be, hey, Alabama, congrats on closing out your season the way you did. We're actually going to jump you over Texas and Ohio State. You're good. I don't know. It's going to be crazy. Well, they showed, the committee has shown this as evident
1: as bumping Florida State one position down. After you lose your quarterback for Florida State, that's the worst thing that could have happened for you for a couple of reasons. It cost you a seating or a spot in the college football playoff seeding selection, and it also cost you an outstanding quarterback to really lead that program. So I, I look at it like this, Nick. D- does Florida State, if they run the table, deserve to be in? Absolutely they do. And you look at them holding on against their rivalry, and the Florida Gators, Florida had them on the ropes. But Rodemaker did a great job, Tate Rodemaker held Florida State, and did enough, only completing 12 passes. That was good enough to help his team beat. And he got, I mean, you look at Florida, Max Brown as well, 9 out of 16. So, uh,
2: again, Florida State. I mean, Louisville has a chance. They do have a chance. They just lost, and you know. You can lose a game, and you come back angrier, and you play harder. Now they want to play what Auburn tried to play in the Iron Bowl. Season spoiler. Oh, we can take it all away from Florida State right here. You know, we, we're not really going to win much. You know, in, in big terms, they would get the, uh, the ACC championship. But let me, let me ask you this, Corey. You know I'm a guy who likes to throw out hypotheticals. Sure, absolutely. Let's say everything goes according to plan. All these teams win like we expect. Alabama somehow beats Georgia in miraculous fashion, and then here it comes Tuesday, the final college football playoff poll, and Texas is that number four team, Alabama sitting there at number five. How do you feel? What's your reaction?
1: If you're, if you're an Alabama player, you're pissed. Why? Because you had every opportunity in Tuscaloosa to beat them head-to-head. And that's where that head-to-head value would have to be That's my
2: question. What does a Corey Labonte, host of the final drive, what's his reaction? You're just saying, ah, guys, we just should have took care of business week two. Or are you upset that the team that just beat the top-ranked team in the nation and has won 12 straight games against tons of ranked talent is left out. And there's no one representing the SEC in the college football playoff. Well,
1: first of all, there's going to be an SEC representative. That's the first thing. Secondly, I still would – I wouldn't like it, but I would have to chew on that bitter pill – and swallow it because Alabama lost the head-to-head in Tuscaloosa with Texas. You had every opportunity to eliminate that, to take that out of the equation, to where now it's better off that that one loss does and had come against LSU, that one loss, to where now LSU has dropped a couple of Southeastern Conference games and you're still sitting atop the SEC web because you beat Ole Miss head-to-head and you would have owned that tiebreaker. So with that scenario right there, Yes, I would absolutely be as upset and angry as Nick Saban would be and should be and every other Alabama fan. And I know, speaking personally, week two in college football was a long time ago, and you can play them head-to-head again. And, you know, that's an opportunity you would love to see happen. Now, whether that would happen or not, I'm great with that too. I'm fine with that as well. But I know this much. The fact that the Alabama Crimson Tide still control their own destiny—it's—it's it's driving uh, with one hand on the wheel instead of two. You don't yeah. have it. that's two traffic. hands on the wheel There's right traffic
2: now. Traffic on the road. A lot of traffic on the road it's, in front you're, of you.
1: You're riding with one <laughs> hand right now, and, and it, it's not—it's not a smooth ride that you're operating with right now. And no. because of that, you're in a situation to where you still control what you can control, which is to beat the number one ranked team in the SEC championship to add to Nick Saban's resume. If you're able to add to Nick Saban's resume, then I think you'll be just fine, but you have to add to Nick Saban's resume and continue to run the table. If you're able to run the table, then that discussion is going to be one in which a lot, including the SEC commissioner and including those dollar signs are going to make a huge difference in.
2: For sure. And look, I'll go ahead and cut to a break. Mr. Hollywood over here, Corey, Mr. Viral Phenomenon. He's got the news out here waiting outside the door, (laughs) ready to get the interview. Man, I I need to try to get an autograph at some point today. (laughs) But look, we'll go ahead and throw it to a break. We'll come back here in just a sec, and we'll keep, you know... Taking the victory lap. Corey is leading the tra- <laughs> leading the charge. I'm just on the passenger seat. <laughs> I'm just I, I got my seat belt on. I'm holding on for dear life, but we're having fun. So we'll be right back, guys. This is the final drive. <laughs>
4: Will Herring, a member of the Auburn family.
8: When I'm in Mobile, I listen to WNST
2: 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive. And guys, I'm, I'm sitting here and there's a little behind the scenes stuff. Corey, we talk to each other through the glass. And right now, Corey's being interviewed by Fox 10. And... Just make sure you're tuned in to Fox 10 tonight (laughs) and see, uh, you know, Corey with his five minutes of fame. You know, they say he had a face made for radio, but we're going to try and break that stigma today because, man, they got the lights all on him and it is glistening off that shiny bald head of his. Uh, It it actually is a uh, pretty blinding glare, but man, look at he's just he's really going off about something. You know, I guess once the TV crews uh, come into the station, he forgets about our old little radio show. But, (laughs) man, I I, I can't wait to see this on TV tonight. But, look, I I guess I'll talk about uh, some things. Can we talk about, I know we're talking nothing but Iron Bowl. And while Corey does his 60 Minutes interview over there, let's talk a little NFL. Can we talk about the Saints and the Falcons for a sec? Is that allowed? Am I allowed to talk about that? Are Any any dirty birds out there? What's going on with the Saints? What's going on with Derek Carr? Huh? Is he worth the... I think I heard the announcer say it's the biggest contract in New Orleans Saints history. Is he getting paid more than Drew Brees ever did? I don't really know. I know that the Falcons are looking good in our division. We haven't lost a game, even though we have the same record as you guys. But there's actually some pretty good NFL games. What about the Bills-Eagles game? How about the Bills being 10th in the AFC? Did any, I didn't see that coming. I did not. How about the Ravens handling the Chargers last night? But, man, that, that, that NFC South, man, that is just a porta-potty of a division. Someone's going to come out of it, though. I think it'll probably be Atlanta. It could very well be New Orleans. I'm just not impressed. Yeah, here in the app, Carr's booty cheeks. Look, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, man. Look, at the beginning of the year, I said, is Baker Mayfield the best quarterback in this division? They called me a Stephen A. Smith. I think I might be right. And the dude is getting paid a fraction of what Derek Carr's getting paid. Chris Olave is nice, though. And what's up with Taysom Hill, man? You know the guy's going to run the ball. He... I don't know if they just block for him. I don't know how he just always gets seven yards every carry, every single carry it feels like. Fidusti, yo, I'm with you. Guy said that Derek Carr needs to quit blaming everybody. Does it not look like he just chews out somebody every time a play doesn't go their way? Like, have you guys ever played, like, pickup basketball with the guy and he's just always barking at you and saying everything that you're doing wrong, but then you're looking at him and he's never making a play, or when he turns it over, it's someone else's fault. I feel like that's Derek Carr. And those are never the guys I like to play with. <laughs> I, got, I got my FCC guy over here in the app. Trust me, way worse things have been said uh, on this station. Maybe not necessarily this show, but there, there have been a couple uh, dirty words, slip, and there's definitely been more crass language than <laughs> the term I just said. But, and man, look, I don't, I don't know how long the segments are on Fox 10, but <laughs> my guy Corey is still talking to these guys. I, I'm going to die laughing if I tune into Fox 10 tonight, and it's just like the world's shortest segment. <laughs> I think now they're wrapping up. I think they're trying to coach Corey into, hey, why don't you get back on the microphone and get back on the show and talk about the Iron Bowl, and we'll just kind of get some footage of you uh, talking during the radio show. I could unmute his mic, and we could hear the behind the scenes <laughs> of the Fox 10. Should I do that? I, n- I need three yeses in the app if I should just unmute the mic in the studio, and we just hear everything that the Fox 10 guy is talking to Corey about. I'll, I'll give it like 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, six, five, four, three, two, one. All right. We're not, I guess we won't invade. Oh, there, I need one more. Ah, uh, okay. That was only two. I'm not going to invade on their privacy, but man, are they are talking about something. My goodness. Okay. It looks like they're wrapping up. We're going to come down. Corey's putting the headset on. Corey, I, I just had everyone in the app do a vote. I didn't do it, but I said, everyone vote yes if you want me to just unmute the mic in there, and we just hear <laughs> everything that you're talking about to hey, Fox 10. That that would have been great stuff. <laughs> that, that's uncensored. That would have yeah. been unfiltered. Like, and I was like, man, if, if that is just the world's shortest segment, yeah. after that long interview, I'm like, <laughs> you know, they like hit you with the stamp like Mike Wazowski on right, the Monsters right, name, where you don't right. even get any airtime, but... What did they instruct you to talk about?
1: Well, well what we, you know, we discussed is, is what everybody and in, in really entire college football world has been talking about: Iron Bowl twenty twenty three and being right. that close to the action and and the viral clip, Nick, that you talk about and, and my reaction That's to right. it being unbelievable was was I, I just couldn't find the adjectives, Nick Wiggins, to, to sum it up. Uh, yeah, because you only used one
2: over and over again. Unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. And, and listen, unbelievable. When you listen to
1: our intro to our show. One of the calls on the intro to our show, Nick, uh-huh. what do they say on the show? Unbelievable. It's, un- it's, unbelievable. it's unbelievable. So that's one that really sticks in you and, and that moment. you It's believable if you're an Alabama and Auburn fan 24 hours later. But, I mean, what a great game. I man.
2: mean, are you calling that a top five Iron Bowl moment of all time?
1: Yes, because when you look at going back to the first four overtime game, you have to put the kick six to me, the kick six is something that you just don't see. That's number one. Yards.
2: That's number one.
1: That's number one. By far, yeah. that's that's number
2: one. We'd have to get a 109-yard kick return to and, replace and, and that.
1: that. you just It's almost impossible to do. But when you look at that moment in Iron Bowl history, and then you follow up with a four-overtime win for Bryce Young and, and the Crimson Tide, and then you look at this game right 10 years after the kick six is what makes it even more special, and yep. the fact that you're being able to see Isaiah Baum because you can see the high shot, but the, the tight shot that I had on the sidelines is what made it special to me mm-hmm. and, and to be able to, to see the interception of on Arnold. At the end of the game, a lot of people thought that that was a pick six to end the game, and he stepped out of bounds. and that, I got that video footage right in front of me as well, so right. he actually stepped out the of bounds, Nick, and went in.
2: The only thing that would have been better in your uh, viral video is if just the whole time you did a selfie. And like you somehow just had your face in it. Yeah, the that whole been tough. play. Yeah, that and then that, that, that way. E- everywhere it would have been sent to, just your, your shiny bald head and your face just grinning from ear to ear. That would have been good for branding. Personal branding, it,
1: especially. It personal branding would have been great. And and people in the app say you guys are overlooking the eighty-five, the kick. No, you can't overlook the kick. I just think that when you start looking at a hundred and eight yard return for an intercept well for Miss Kick to go to the house, and then you look at the four overtime game, and then you look at the comeback for sure. Alabama, leading twenty-seven to zero, whatever it was, in in Denny, and to lose that game, that was pretty special in well, and of itself. And look,
2: you know, I know that the 10 guys got you mic'd up. It'd probably be good if we kind of went through all the uh, names of this play, right? That right, th- that our listeners have come up with. What is the, it? The
1: like? names of the play I've seen are the Mill Throw, the Grave Digger. Also, what else do we have? The Disaster in the Pasture was one of them that was pretty interesting. Uh, what else did you see in there, got Nick? fourth and 31. Right here, my guy's calling it the push-off. The push-off. <laughs> Touchdown for the crown. Amen Corner was one that was offered. The Corner was one that was offered as well. But if you can come up with the name of this play that you think that it should be called forever, I, send them to us in the app. We'd love to love to hear from you. Right. What do you think this touchdown play should be called? Is it? I like the fourth, grain and, fourth
2: and fourth and thirty one. Keep it simple. The name itself shows the stakes of the event. You don't have to. If it's called the mill throw, you're like, okay, was it a what kind of throw was it? Was it? You know, fourth and thirty one. You're like, wow, those seem like unbeatable odds, and somehow they overcame them. I, well, that's, I agree that's
1: there. What I that. Like. Uh, the Gravedigger, I think, is interesting from the fact that you do look at what it what happened as far as what do you look at a gravedigger's position being? Because it was it, it was going to sound louder than any stadium in, in America sure. would have sounded if that play does not get converted. And what, what was did the air just get sucked out of the stadium oh, immediately when the Absolutely. That? You could hear the gasp. Yeah, I, as far as with everyone on that play when he caught in your people's jaws were dropped when you when you zoom in to the video. Sure. You see people's jaws drop and you also see people say it was an incomplete pass. He pushed off. You saw all of those emotions and expressions throughout the entire video. That's right. And look, and if you want to see the
2: video, you can go on WNSP's Twitter. Corey posted it. We retweeted it on his behalf. I'm guessing you're going to see it on Fox 10 tonight, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: that would probably be the place to go there as well. But it truly was. I'm going to say it once again,
2: Nick. Unbelievable. There you go. Hey, I'm, re- I'm ready to buy the T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. All right. Well, we'll be right back, and we'll continue breaking down the Iron Bowl. I talked a little NFL while you were doing your pre-production meeting in there. Uh, Maybe we can get back into that or we can just keep it all Iron Bull. But it's the final drive. We'll be right back. Hi,
1: this is Saran Stacy. You're listening to WNSB 105.5.
2: Man, they're doing a whole 60 minutes expose on my guy, Corey. I don't don't even know what what all they're asking him. But I'm sure it's good stuff. I think the the camera, now the cameraman's, I think, getting B-roll footage of me. Now I got to talk and act like I'm a good radio host. I don't know if I like this. I can just feel the pressure of the camera on the back of my head. I got a caller calling in, but I can't really, like, leave this microphone to answer it. So whoever's calling, I'm, I'm just going to put you immediately on air. All right? Here we go. Okay. That's great. That's great. See, that's why I don't do those things. That's why I mute my mic, and then I go and answer the phone. People are asking questions. Why was there a spy on 4th and 31? I, I'll say this in that moment. It did feel like Auburn was going to somehow find a way to uh, mess everything up. And I thought that the only way that it was possible was that Jalen Milro was going to go for a 31-yard scramble. I mean, that, that, that's at least what I thought. But somehow he, he made the amazing throw. So, like, I get in that reason why there was the spy and like, let's be honest like that corner should have been able to if he was in any better positioning if he has head turned turned around. They, that was like a one a one in a thousand type of throw and it just so happened to work in Alabama's favor and all the Auburn fans are upset and rightfully so. Uh, th- you know look they're asking if the special teams coordinator's getting the axe. He uh let's see. The fact that Freeze didn't know that Koy Moore was on the field and he muffed the punt. Koy Moore has struggled fielding punts all year. I I I don't know. And it it just felt like the most auburn thing for them to muff the punt in that moment. But then I was like, wow, it's actually turning around with that snap. There's no way. Then him his foot being over the line. But miracles do happen. Anything is possible," says Kevin Garnett. All right, Corey, my man is really getting wrapped up in this TV stuff. They might be freaking offering him a job over there or something. Oh, they're, I think they're 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 taking the mic off my man. Getting the lapel mic off, exchanging phone numbers, a little pat on the back, a little see you later and he's back Mr. Hollywood you they're doing a they they must be doing a whole 60 minutes exposé Listen over there's there, only man. one Hollywood that, that be- I know and that's Ryan Williams <laughs> He's the only Hollywood that, that I better, know That better be the longest Yeah look they're saying that that was a was that a job interview over there <laughs> Look that better be the longest news segment I've ever seen
1: and, and I, I know this. And if I, it's I,
2: if it's less than a minute, I'm I'm gonna be
1: upset. You, you know how it goes with when, when sometimes we have to pre-record in, in certain situations to where we we make those mistakes <laughs> and through pre-recording <laughs> you're able. You're saying it's everything. two to
2: three minutes, two it's, three see, minutes. See, minutes. I, see, I, I, I love it. I'm I, thinking we're getting the thir- a 30 minute you know little documentary. Uh, well, two w- to three w- is well not here we bad. go.
1: Here we go, Nick. There, there's some great footage. Something to throw on your reel for it, sure. Th- th- there you go. There you go. But but when you do look at Hugh Freeze and what he was able to talk about and Jalen Mirro too, for that matter, I, I like the fact the positivity that Hugh Freeze had today yep. in his press conference. He said, you know, he's absolutely positively, totally convinced that this place can be an elite program. Let, let, let's hear from him talking about oh, gosh. being an elite program, Nick, because that's one of the things that I know Auburn fans
2: want to see that never got an opportunity to see in... See, Corey, I, I'll play this audio clip, but I can feel this camera to the left of me staring at me. <laughs> so I feel like they need footage of me speaking. <laughs> right. So should I just play the audio clip? And, and, just, and just, just mash like your... <laughs> y- there you go. <laughs> you and just talk to yourself. There you go, Nick. Just talk to yourself. Alright, here we go.
5: I'm absolutely positively totally convinced this place can be an elite program. Now, being an elite program in this conference, there's some others too in it. Does that mean you're going to win every single game? Probably not. I don't know if many teams are going to do that anymore, truthfully. Um, but uh w- we should be in every game, and this, this place, the support it has, the energy, the fan base, the culture, the family feel, uh, the administration alignment, um, everything, it, it, the facilities, you know, everything is here um, for us to build, and I say build, these things don't happen overnight, um, to build a championship team. I am absolutely Positively, he's he's
1: positive, Nick, and I I know that. Again, the officiating we've heard about that it did it was horrible both ways. It was horrible both ways. There's no way to shy away from that.
2: But isn't that the game you would prefer? If the calls are horrible on both sides. Yes. And then it ends on them not making a call. Yes. So, therefore, it can't be a bad call if there wasn't one. That's what makes right? it
1: even even better and even more epic. And for as far as one of the names, the bomb that killed the cows. Well, I, I know that
2: it definitely was a bomb. But as and far th- as the they're strategy, they're saying that me covering, <laughs> they're saying my coverage for you while you're doing the interview is <laughs> worse than Auburn's <laughs> coverage. Well, I, I mean, look, I didn't <laughs> On that hear note.
1: that. I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't hear that, Nick. But, but what I do know is that we did have a classic Iron Bowl, oh, and yeah. whether you're a Van Tiffin fan and you remember the kick that Van Tiffin had at Legion Field, whether it's bow over the top, whether it's the cam back, whether it's the kick six. Whether it's this grave digger play, what what do you call it? What do you what fourth do you call 31. it? Fourth and thirty one. You like fourth and thirty one. That's it. Just fourth and fourth and goal from the thirty one.
2: You're Getting too wordy there. Too wordy. We okay. got to keep the branding alive. Okay. Keep the branding alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking I got of you. branding, we can go ahead and flip from football. We'll talk a little golf here, right?
1: Yeah. 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 We got to talk to our man Rashetti, and right. we'll bring you his golf report. And then, of course, at five o'clock, we're going to jump right back into it. And talk to Josh Pate from CBS Sports. We'll be right back.
8: Hi, this is Bo Manning, a co-producer of Training Days Rolling with the Tide, and you're listening
7: to WNSP one oh five five mobile.
1: Welcome back. WNSP 105.5 and a let it marinate Monday edition of the final drive as there's plenty to marinate on as far as football is concerned. And will Alabama find its way into the college football playoffs? That's yet to be determined, but what is to be determined is we're bringing you the golf report brought to you by Dan Hart, LLC, Engineered Products and Services, and John Reschetti is scheduled to to jump on with us, and as we're trying to get John Reschetti on with us, you know, you've had some great nicknames for this Iron Bowl. You know, you, you see Bow over the top. You see the kick six. You hear about the cam back four overtimes. Someone in the app said Isaiah 431, which you know that what that stands for. But as far as the meal throw, the grave digger is – that name that that's going to stick around for a very long time but there's been a lot of movement here in college football as Texas A&M they hired Duke's Mike Elko to replace Jimbo Fisher and Mike Elko having Riley Leonard as quarterback at Duke last year it's 9 and 4 and had a huge win and it's only 7 and 5 this year was undefeated when college game day came to town when they played Notre Dame and Riley, of course, hurts his ankle and is unable to play there and compete. And this year, Duke being 7-5. and five, What are your thoughts about Texas A&M hiring Duke's Mike Elko? Is it, a, is it a good hire? And Mississippi State, they make a new hire at coach as well. And, and will, that, will that be good for Mississippi State? I, I don't know if football fans will have an opportunity to, to sit and love Jeff Levy. He is the new head coach at Mississippi State. Comes from Oklahoma and being their offensive coordinator. So you have two new coaches there in the SEC. And the hype was that Mark Stoops from Kentucky was going to leave Kentucky and go to Texas A&M. And that mm. never happened. I don't know what where that lost its steam, but... You just would have left Kentucky and gone to Texas A&M where the resources are greater. But will Mike Elko win at Texas A&M divisionless football in the Southeastern Conference next year? So that part is going to be interesting. Josh Flowers, I saw he retweeted. He's going to be an early enrollee to Mississippi State and hopefully play
2: quarterback for them. And he's getting no issues with the shakeups going on over there. No, I mean.
1: He, he, he Because you're bringing in a, an O.C., an offensive guy who's offensive-minded, I'm quite sure Josh Flowers would love an opportunity to, to get to sit down and, and, and meet with the new coach who's coming from Oklahoma. But uh, I, I like the fact that, you know, you do have Coach Elko, even though he is 7-5, and five, you see how he was able to turn around a Duke program within a year's time and, and make Riley Leonard – um, yeah. you know, I Fast love
2: hiring process and all this, don't you think, or I is this the plan? Is this why they fired him so early?
1: I think that you have to, you had to have a, a firing early to go ahead and get a head start on recruiting and to maintain recruiting because national signing day, the early signing period here is, is in like a couple of weeks. So you, you, you just have to, to, you know, be in a situation where you, you get to your new players, your returning players, you already have Mississippi state has their quarterback already jumping into the transfer portal. So you look at Will Rogers jumping into the transfer portal already. What year is he? Will Rogers will be a senior next year, a graduate senior. So he has a year of eligibility left. So whether he decides to stay or whether he decides to go, I think he may withdraw his name from that portal. But I know that we also have some NFL action, like you mentioned, coming up. Tonight, Chicago at Minnesota, not one of those games that I know a lot of people are really enthralled in, but it's still football, and we love football, and we also love to hear from you. 251-694-1055.
2: Look, look, Corey, I know you're going to be on TV tonight, (laughs) so you're feeling like a pretty big deal, but (laughs) there's no one a bigger deal than the man, the myth, the legend himself, John Ricchetti. We got him. Ricchetti! What's up, Shetty?
8: Oh, man, you guys, I'm calling you guys live from Scottsdale, Arizona. Hey, hey
9: so, different uh, times. I'm out, here, on,
8: out here a little vacay, playing some golf with a bunch of buddies. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm at True North right now, and uh, absolutely gorgeous afternoon to play some golf here in Scottsdale. And uh, looking forward to it uh, the rest of the day. A couple more rounds to go, and then I'll be back. But not much going on in the world of golf, even though Tiger Woods will be making his debut on thursday in the hero world challenge and uh also so looking forward to that uh to see what he's got he hasn't played since he's played in the masters and also last week rory mcelroy uh winning the players impact program uh for to, you know the most popular guy i guess uh in golf out ousted tiger woods as far as he picked up a cool, I believe, $15 million. of the $100 million purse for all the players. So uh, something good for Rory. But other than that, not much going on. I know the European DP World Tour was, was going last week, and they're rocking and rolling. So putting a wrap on the, on the season and looking forward to uh, 2024 on a PGA Tour and actually anxious to see what Tiger Woods can do on Thursday.
1: Well, we can't thank you enough for taking time out. To join us here on the Dan Hart LSC Engineer Products and Services Golf Report and want you to continue to enjoy swinging that club and enjoying Scottsdale, Arizona as it's a beautiful place to visit mm-hmm. and live and yeah. enjoy enjoy your vacay, my brother. And what would you think about that well, Iron Bowl? How about it?
8: It uh, was pretty. Uh, it was pretty awesome. I mean, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, uh, hats off to the Auburn Tigers. They fought hard, and I think that could have been the best game I've seen their quarterback It was their best game, and they just played something about playing down there. Alabama got fortunate. I guess you want to say luck or whatever. It was a great play at the last time, but it is what it is. And they, and they they're, you know, they continue the dream. I call it, you know, they continue the dream to get to that national championship, and, and they got a big one come Saturday, but uh, we'll wait and see what happens. I, I, I still don't think, even with the victory against Georgia, I just got a bad taste in my mouth, even if they knock the Bulldogs off. I don't know if they're even in getting the top four.
1: Can't thank you enough, my brother, for jumping on with this, and I'm a, I'm in agreement with you. It's going to be, be tough for the Crimson Tide, but they controlled their own destiny. John Reschetti always brings us the Miller Lite John Reschetti Golf Show following the final drive and we definitely look forward to catching up with you again next monday Ruschetti.
8: all right guys take care and uh, looking forward to it. my guys will have it and we're gonna announce the uh, hancock whitney bank junior golfers of the month they'll be on the air tonight should be a great show with terry thompson take care guys
1: john Rachetti joining us we'll be right back to start hour number three josh pate cbs sports will join us next to talk iron bowl and college football playoffs up next
0: The Sound of Mobile presents For the, win! the Final Drive No, oh, they didn't. Oh my gracious. Yeah. How about that? With Corey Labounty and Nick Wiggins For the Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound
1: of Mobile app Welcome back to our number three of the final drive. Corey LaBounty and Nick Wiggins on this let it marinate Monday. And there's been plenty to marinate on the last 48 hours in college football. That's for certain. And really the last 72 hours when you go back and you look at all the Friday, Saturday, Sunday action in the NFL and college football as well. And, We want to thank you guys for having us tuned in this evening on WNSP 105.5, whether it's in the app or you're riding in your car on your way home as well. Hope you guys had a tremendous and wonderful long holiday weekend. And our next guest, Josh Pate, Late Kick Live. You can hear him every single Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday at 7 o'clock Central, the Late Kick with Josh Pate. Josh Pate joins us here on the final drive how's everything going josh
6: man it's good we're uh it feels like in some ways you're gearing down but in other ways you're just gearing up we've got conference championships playoffs, uh, heisman if you're into that sort of thing and all the while you got transfer portal about to open you got coaching carousels in full swing i think the overlay from november to december in this sport is unlike any other sport pro or college in the world
1: Yeah, I I agree with you there. It it is these months, and and it seems like just yesterday we were in Nashville, Tennessee, having an opportunity to start SEC media days. But as many media members predicted here, I had Alabama and Georgia getting ready to play one another in the SEC championship game. I don't know if that's what your preseason media prediction was or not, but here we are with Alabama coming off a fourth-and-goal from the 31-yard line and one of the most miraculous plays you'll see being the, the robbery game that it is there's been so many outstanding games but this is definitely going to be a top five Iron Bowl moment for sure
6: I look I think it's closer to one than five too um, I, I think it's not lost on people how ironic it was that it was on the 10-year anniversary of the kick six but you know, I've watched I've watched plenty of Iron Bowls. I've I've been to several of them. I've stood on the field for several of them. This one, I was in the Detroit Airport for cuz we were coming back from Michigan Ohio State, covering it earlier that day. And so I I watched that entire fourth quarter there in the terminal. And it's pretty surreal. I know a lot of people in the listening audience maybe if you travel a lot, you've been on the road on a Saturday. Maybe you've even been in an airport. But if you haven't, it's crazy to see a major college football moment happen in an airport. Uh, because everyone's just huddled around restaurant TVs and people have their phones in their hands. And when it happens, you can just hear all up and down the terminal, just like I did in Detroit of all places Saturday, just people It's commotion. That's unmistakable. You know, something big in sports just happened. And that's exactly what happened with that play. And um, it, it didn't matter if you were coming from Seattle, Miami, New York, LA or in between everyone was glued to it. And I, Look, I'll tell you, I can't believe what happened, but I've watched this sport long enough to know, believe the unbelievable is coming. And it also goes to show you, I said on our show last night, and I'll say it again, when it comes to a team like Alabama, if you want to beat them, you've got to cut the head off the snake. You can't run it over. You you can't just step on it. You have to cut the head off the snake. If you don't, they'll just keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. And if you give them enough opportunities, they'll bite you. And that's what they did to Auburn. Hugh Freeze didn't learn that lesson. I think a lot of people inside his organization probably did learn that lesson, and certainly that goes for players.
1: Yeah, I mean, what's amazing is, as a football coach, you continue to have those moments that You'll say, never again will I get beat in this situation or never again will I not have my team prepared for this moment, whether it's in special teams, whether it's in trick plays. And I know Nick Saban off of the 10-year anniversary of the kick six, you know, the GOAT says, look, that's something that he took blame for. I didn't have the right personnel on the field, and he took blame for it. And it's something that I know he's tucked away and utilizes every single day to motivate him Four situations but on the flip side of that I don't know if you got a chance to see the video that I sent you earlier today Josh of where I was standing but the quietness and the surrealness of what everyone was witnessing on fourth and goal from the 31 because we've all seen Hail Marys in football this this was not a Hail Mary this is something that Nick Saban said look we do practice on finding those one-on-one matchups and it had to be perfect ball placement it had to be a perfect catch and we're not talking about a six foot six wide receiver or six foot four wide receiver we're just talking about one of those moments in college football like you said where you were but what led up to it is what made the play even greater
6: you know you spoke about media days let's go back to early in fall camp at alabama I, I seem to remember there was a viral clip that got out when you still had a quarterback battle going on there. Was a viral clip got out, and it was, it was a throw, far hash, probably a 25, 30-yard rope to the back corner, and it was a dime. And everyone wanted to know, who threw that ball? And people were trying to figure out, was that Milrow? Was that Ty Simpson? Who was that? And I believe Alabama's communications team up there got that thing taken down pretty quickly. And it's ironic that we fast forward to the biggest play of their season, a play to keep their season alive. And what do we see? We see a frozen rope or hash. Back corner, right where that ball was placed early in fall camp. And it's a full circle moment that I think folks who follow the Bama beat or Bama fans probably remember. I guarantee you 98% of the college football public has no clue that even happened.
1: Right, is exactly there, Josh. And I will say this, too, with you being at the big house in Michigan and getting a chance to experience Ohio State and Michigan, especially under the circumstances and the controversy that's been swirling around Michigan, I think that if Michigan takes that game on the road, they may take that loss. But with all the the surrounding of Michigan now holding tight to that number two spot right behind the Georgia Bulldogs, when this college football playoffs comes out, the committee, I know here in our listening area, everybody's saying, well, what happens if Alabama beats Georgia? What what happens then? What kind of chaos can be created if Texas beats Oklahoma State and you have Washington run the table and Florida State beats Louisville? Uh, you know, there is that unfortunate situation, Josh, to where Alabama could really have run off all these wins after losing to Texas head to head in Tuscaloosa and still be on the outside looking
6: in. Yeah, they could. I don't have to like it, but they could. I know a lot of people are doing in the weather and meteorological world what they call wish casting. That's where you live in the deep south. If you like snow, you just say, oh, it's going to snow. It's going to snow. Well, that doesn't actually make it any more likely to snow, nor does saying there's no way the SEC chance left out make it any more likely that the committee does what you want them to do. Uh, The fact is Alabama has not had their destiny in their own hands since they lost to Texas. The way the rest of the country's seasons have played out now if you asked me if i think a 12 and 1 alabama should be left out well, that's a different story because uh, i sit there and tell you there is no way i'm going to favor four teams over them on a neutral site but you got the other side of it i mean I, I, look who are you going to leave out I, I know i know that's the question and some people have easy answers to that i don't think there is an easy answer but i will tell you this i think that You know, a lot of people are looking at Texas if they win, they're in. I agree with that. Uh, Georgia win and in. I think Washington and FSU. I think FSU is a win and in. Some people disagree with me on that, but I do think they are. I think the most interesting head to head comes down to a hypothetical SEC champion Alabama with one loss versus a hypothetical Oregon Pac 12 champ with one loss. Because I'm telling you, Bama's got the better resume there. And I don't know what in the world that committee has been looking at. I got all the respect in the world for Oregon, by the way, I think they're a very high level team, but judging by their own criteria, I'm not sure what that committee has been looking at. It's almost like they've looked at Oregon and they're, they're baking in the rematch win. It's almost like the committee has looked at Oregon and said, we think they're going to beat Washington. We're going to go ahead and rank them as if they have, which is not the protocol. And but be that as it may, I'm not sure. I mean, if they win Friday, they've got to win over a what top five team in Washington. And if Bama wins, they got to win over the number one team or number two team, depending on how the rankings come out tomorrow. I, I think Alabama should be in over them. I'm not sure that's what the committee will do. I think it would make for some high drama Saturday, or Sunday, rather.
1: Yeah, it really is going to be everybody sitting on the edge of their seats. We're talking with Josh Pate, who hosts the late kick with Josh Pate every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time. And you can also catch them on CBS Sports headquarters and 24-7 sports. So Josh does a phenomenal job of breaking down college football. But it is college football 365 in our neck of the woods for certain. And, you know, you look at the epic Iron Bowl just being one for the ages. And you look as an Alabama fan – on Friday night saying, look, I need some help from Oregon. I need for you to slip up against Oregon State. Or you're looking to say, okay, Texas, maybe Texas Tech can help you. And then you're like, okay, Florida, you're in the SEC. Be our big brother and brethren here and do the conference a favor. And that doesn't happen. But just the, the shakeup here of college football here to be played within this championship Saturday coming up. I know that everyone's going to be sitting on the edge of their seats come Selection Sunday.
6: Yeah, I've never seen a season like this. I mean, history the, the totality of college football history has taught us the volcanic Saturday, the eruption Saturday will come usually multiple volcanic Saturdays will come and that's just the one that's full of upset and at the end of the day you've just got chaos and calamity everywhere and we haven't had that mushroom cloud over the sport sort of weekend and look, it looks unlikely that that would happen this weekend. But maybe that's the trap that's been set. I mean, I have a very hard time, a very hard time, picturing Oklahoma State upset in Texas. I got a I got a pretty hard time uh, picturing I, – I definitely can't see, you know, like an Iowa over a Michigan or anything like that. But I, I don't know. I, I, I always also find it interesting when we get in these sort of situations, everyone plays the hypotheticals out in their mind the way they think they're possible. And then some random combination of events happens that no one saw coming, and everyone's thrown for a loop. And you don't have to go back very far. Go back to 2014. Ohio State comes into this thing. First year of the playoff, no less. And I remember the talk. Everyone's just assuming they're out of it. And then they beat Wisconsin 59 to nothing in the Big Ten title game. And all of a sudden, over the course of four hours, the narrative went from Ohio State's on the outside looking into, you can't leave Ohio State out and – Nothing really changed other than they put up a dominant win. So here's a question. What if all the rest of the chalk holds in Alabama were to beat Georgia 35-13? to Then what do you do with them? Like, that's a question no one's considering because no one thinks either of those teams can blow the other out. But it's not out of the realm of possibility at the point.
1: I agree with you there. And, And, you know, what they say in the old days, You know, you just want to keep hope alive and all Alabama fans and really all of college football and what we do in the media. We'll definitely have plenty to talk about this coming Sunday. And we always do. Now, with the visionless football in the SEC coming next year with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, I think that's great for the sec and people are saying that it's going to be a nightmare but also the expansion of the college football playoffs i know that you know coulda woulda shoulda we would love to have had or seen uh, even an 18 college football playoff this year but next year we're expanding to 12 i think that that's there's always going to be just like with the NTAA tournament that 60 team because they have the 68, they get in with the play in and cut it down to 64. But there's always going to be that one or two team that says, I definitely have to, to sit there and say, I need for my team to be in that did not get in. And that's going to be the case this year too.
6: Yeah, it will be, uh, you know, I'm in the minority there because I don't mind people being mad. I like the, I like the scarcity of playoff spots. I'm a 14 playoff guy. I didn't even mind the BCS. So I wasn't necessarily for expansion, uh, but the difference in my mentality and a lot of my friends who support expansion is I just think the regular season is the best thing we have. And I do happen to believe that you decrease the value of it as you expand post-season spots. But the other thing I'm thinking about is, you know, I'm up in Ann Arbor, Michigan the other day, and I'm, I'm looking and feeling the magnitude of that game. And I'm asking myself, what happens next year? Because next year in the big 10, they go divisionless. So next year, I would have watched Ohio State versus Michigan. Then I would have seen them rematch the very next week for a conference title. Then I would have seen them both make the playoff. I mean, even if one of them lost two in a row, if they were undefeated going into that weekend, they would be playoff teams. And so I could see them face off three times in the span of a month, and I have no interest in that. That's just not college football to me. Now, I know that's an anecdotal exception to what the rule will be, but the, the general point I'm making is, I'm, even growing up, I never thought it was the worst thing in the world if a team was perceived to have been left out and their fan base got mad. I never thought that was the worst thing in the world because that just proved to me we got very, very few spots and they're very valuable and it ensures that there is going to be a knockdown, dragout drag-out fight over those things. And now you're going to expand and you're going to have some four lost teams make the playoff and you're going to have teams back in. And I mean, Penn State would be in the playoff right now. I just don't particularly have a lot of interest in seeing that because I saw him play two playoff games already, and they went 0-2 in them. They were called the Michigan and Ohio State games, but I didn't get my way on that, so I guess it'll be what it is.
1: Understood there, and Josh Pate is our guest this evening here on the Final Drive, and every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, the late kick with Josh Pate. You can check out, and Josh does a phenomenal job of keeping us up to date with what his thoughts are on college football and whether it's Michigan, Ohio State, that the game in which he attended. Let me ask you this. From a robbery standpoint, we ranked robberies last week as we were preparing for the Iron Bowl here. And, of course, down here, you're going to get the Iron Bowl is one of the greatest robberies, if not the greatest. Right there, second is Ohio State and Michigan. And third is the pageantry of the Army-Navy game. If you had to rank those college football robberies, where would you put them?
6: I'd put Army-Navy in its own little classification uh, because that is, it's a different game altogether. Sure. And that would mean something to everyone for many different reasons. So if we remove that one and give it its own distinction, uh, I grew up in Columbus, Georgia, so I'm right on the border. I'm right on the Chattahoochee River. I grew up 40, 45 minutes from Auburn. I, I was immersed in Iron Bowl culture and didn't know anything about the Big 10. I mean, I knew about it, but I watched it from a distance. Having experienced Ohio State, and Michigan 3 years in a row now, it is it is every bit as intense as the Iron Bowl is. The hatred is every bit as thick, the toxicity is every bit as thick as Iron Bowl is and it's it's amazing. Like I don't think you can rank one over the other cause your perception is entirely dependent on where your allegiances lie. But I do think one thing that gets that rivalry up north more buzz from a national standpoint is Ohio State and Michigan are both massive national brands, whereas although Alabama fits that distinction, Auburn would be more of a regional brand. That's no knock on Auburn. It's just reality. And so I think if you live in Seattle, Washington, you look at Ohio State and Michigan and say, all right, those are two national brands. I got Alabama, a national brand, playing a more regional brand down there, so I would value Ohio State and Michigan more, but – when it comes to just pure, raw hatred and intensity, uh, those are 1A and 1B for me. And I've been around both of them plenty enough now to know.
1: Absolutely. And and when you do look at what we all witness across the country with the fourth and goal from the 31 and, and what made it just a spectacular play, I think that, you know, you can take the officiating that a lot of people today have chimed in about and a lot of people chimed in on on Saturday after the game on Sunday after the game and today as well there were some horrible missed calls but there were horrible missed calls on both sides of the football and I think that when you look to where we got to where it was fourth and goal from the 31 and you're looking at Jalen Miro and what he's shown against LSU scoring those touchdowns and Four, four rushing touchdowns, and then three and three against Kentucky and why he sometimes doesn't run as much as he, he could. Have you ever seen a situation, though, with what was at stake with Auburn having lost to Mex- New Mexico State the week before and Alabama still wanting to control its own destiny to where you could possibly even think of a conversion on fourth and goal from the thirty-one.
6: Look, I think two things there first the 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 fact that that was able to happen. it probably confuses a lot of people. A lot of people look and say, "How could a team that lost in humiliating fashion to New Mexico State one week push a potential playoff team to the very brink the next week?" The answer is is pretty simple, but it's pretty hard to fathom. Football's a week to week game and in the college level, especially so and we don't score in ones we score in threes sixes and really sevens in this sport and that just means one or two plays can equal the summated difference of 21 or 28 points if you take seven away and give it on the other end and the point is the gaps aren't nearly as big Mm -hmm. as folks think they are and the week to week can be mighty volatile much more so than you know just the linear line on a on a chart that people think a team is and so it it wasn't the most shocking thing in the world to me that Auburn was up to play the game. I was a little disappointed that Alabama ended up being mistake-prone as they were that late in the season. Um, I I was disappointed that Alabama allowed the rushing success that Auburn did, but look, I was down there for the Auburn-Georgia game. They put over 200 on the ground up on Georgia, too. I think Hugh Freeze just has a pretty unique running scheme. It especially involves quarterback, and that's why I don't look at that game an indictment on Alabama relative to this upcoming week. I don't really, I think it's a one game season this Saturday in Atlanta but you know, the, I thought Bama would win the game handedly so the outcome didn't go the way I thought it would but I wasn't shocked that it was a close game if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you 1000% and as far as from a whole conference standpoint, Texas A&M bring in brings in Duke's Mike Elko to replace Jimbo Fisher and I know that you know, Mobile's own Riley Leonard, when he goes down against Notre Dame, it changed the whole outlook of Duke's season this year. They are 7-5, and five, and you look at Mississippi State making the hire that they have made as well within the conference. Do you like the two new hires that are going to be part of the Southeastern Conference next year?
6: Really like Levy. I, look, I really think Mississippi State just looked and said, we've got a course correct here. We had Dan Mullen, and then we had Mike Leach, and we went a complete opposite direction with Arnett, albeit that was under extreme circumstances. And so they promoted from within, and they realized pretty quickly this ain't it. And they're going right back to the offensive well again. Everyone speaks glowingly of Levy. I think he understands the culture. He understands the state. Uh, he knows Ole Miss as well. He knows Lane Kiffin. And so I think they'll be set there. Fan base seems happy with it too. But oh, out at Texas A&M, I'll tell you the thing I'm most interested to see with Elko is He is a legitimate CEO type of head coach. Now he gets his hands dirty in one side of the ball, but he is a CEO. He understands how to build and run an organization. That was not Jimbo Fisher. You get closer to that program and people will tell you Fisher was not a CEO type. Fisher's not a guy who oversees the entire operation. He's got to delegate that stuff. He's an offensive coordinator that just got enough tenure about himself that he got himself head coaching jobs. But he he was kind of, You know, kind of sloppy, frankly, in the way he ran an organization. Elko is not that. And so if he's able to do that, if he dots the I's, crosses the T's, he's been out there, he knows what's needed, and he hires a dynamite staff, you do not have to reinvent the wheel there. That's an elite job. I've been arguing with people about that for two weeks. It is an elite job, I promise you. They got everything they need to win championships. The only reason they have it is because of internal issues. They have hamstrung themselves. It is nothing about the limitation of the job itself that's kept them down.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. And, Josh, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us here this evening on the final drive. And if everyone would love to, to tap in to your show how can they do so, and how can they follow you on X as well?
6: Yeah, I appreciate you. Uh, any social channel I'm on, is just at Late Kick Josh. Uh, the show is called Late Kick with Josh Pate. It's on uh, YouTube if you want it there. It's in podcast form if you want it there. And um, look, if you just love college football and don't really want anything else mixed into it, we think that's your show, and we do it three times live per week, and it's there to listen to it at your leisure if you don't want to watch it live.
1: Josh, thank you so much, and Look forward to to catching up with you real soon. Will you be in Atlanta at the SEC championship game?
6: I will be there, my friend. All
1: right. We'll see you on Saturday then, Lord willing. And thank you so much for for your coverage and everything that you do promoting college football. And we'll talk to you again real soon.
6: All right. I appreciate you having me.
1: Josh Pate joining us this evening on the final drive, the late kick with Josh Pate. Check it out on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, 7 o'clock, Central. Nick Wiggins and I will be right back here on this Let It Marinate Monday edition.
8: Hi, this is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP.
2: Welcome back to the Final Drive. And as we all bask in the glory of Alabama winning the Iron Bowl, I just want to give you guys a heads up. This Friday is going to be the SEC Championship Preview Show. That's from 3 to 6. During our show, and once per hour, you'll have the chance to win a $50 gift card. They're not giving that away on the morning show. And that's every hour, and that's during the Felder Shredding Trivia challenge you'll also be able to relive some of the greatest moments in sec champion history during the blue herring landscape flashbacks and that's this friday from three to six the sec championship preview show presented by felder Stretting, blue herring landscape american power equipment american waste solutions and rock and roll offs everyone wants to be a part of the last sec championship game before we move to divisionless football and Corey. I know you're having a great day today, right? You're going to be on, you know, you're a TV star now. But I just got a, a great email in my inbox. Do you know what it was? It was the notification that finally my Deion Sanders sunglasses have shipped. <laughs> I bet at this point, a lot of people are returning, <laughs> returning They're like, returning y'all, em. actually. Return the cinder. <laughs> I mean, I was looking like, man, I could just get 70 bucks back, but. No, nah, i've played the waiting game i need them and when they come in i'm gonna be rocking them confidently
1: well i can confidently say that they'll probably be a lot worth more next season because this season it ended with the dud
2: yeah yeah but hey the you know just a bigger bounce
1: back right yep that's absolutely a temporary setback right. for an ultimate comeback there we'll be right back here on the final drive
6: This is Brad Nessler, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile.
1: Welcome back to a Let It Marinate Monday edition of the Final Drive. Hope everyone had a tremendous holiday weekend and enjoyed not only the food, the family, the football. We know we enjoyed it here, and you look at the SEC championship game that's at stake of course Nick Saban spoke to the press today at his press conference. So did Jalen Milrow and Jalen Miro. He had he had a quick segment to say and what he thought about Georgia Bulldogs. How happy he was for the Georgia Bulldogs Jalen Milrow chiming in today.
2: 129 straight uh, to take them down would be huge. Obviously, uh, I don't know. I'm sure what the rankings come out, but they have one next to their name right now. How tough is it going to be on Saturday?
1: Um, you know, good for them with, with all the winning they had, um, uh, but, you know, we just know it's a challenge for us, um, moving forward and, uh, we have to, uh, constantly know that. And, uh, first thing we have to do is take care of today, be the best version we can be, uh, on and off the field. And, uh, I think we have a really good locker room that acknowledges that. And, uh, we're constantly, you know, building and we have a, we're going to have a great plan heading into this weekend. But a, the first thing we have to do is clean up some things from last game. Jalen Miro with a lot to clean up from the last game. It's not going to be outdoors. It's going to be indoors. So that's huge. And we want to welcome a caller in to this evening, the final drive. Caller, how's everything going?
9: Hey, Corey, doing great, man. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Likewise. Um, Thank you. Hey, so two things, man. And I know I've said this, we beat this dead like. The SEC officiating, that was absolute garbage. Was okay, bad. I know everybody sits here and talks about how great Greg Sankey is. I, I still ask you guys, name one thing Greg Sankey has done. And I'm telling you right now, if I made the kind of money these coaches did, I would get my $25,000 worth after one of these games, and I would let it rip. Do you, and do you know that that is the same crew? that officiated the Tennessee game and Alabama game last year?
1: Did not know that that was the same crew.
9: Exact same crew. It is absolute garbage. I just get sick and tired of hearing the media defend these officials, so that they get it right 92% of the time, and we evaluate. If these people really get evaluated, how are they not fired? Half of America, if they performed like that, their job would be fired. It is absolute garbage. Number two, I still want to hear the justification, and maybe you can give it to me, is how Oregon is ranked ahead of Alabama and Texas, because I guarantee you. If Washington or Oregon get in the playoffs, they're going to get absolute boat race. Neither one of them can stop running water. And the only reason they have won this year is and because their offense can score a lot. I mean, look at the Pac-12. I mean, there is not – Oregon has not – has beat one ranked team has not played a top 50 defense. Washington beat Oregon has not played a top 50 defense. We see how, what USC is all about. So – Man, I have a hard time with that guy's take on these uh, he's okay with these teams getting left out. I'm not okay with that because why do you play the game if you're not gonna get the four best teams? Because I don't think they're gonna get the four best teams this year The kind of the way to shake it out. You can't just to me you can't justify Florida State with a backup quarterback that's played the schedule they've played. They beat LSU. That's all they've beaten this year.
2: Yeah, but they haven't have seen anybody. Like,
9: how, how do you justify them in the playoffs?
2: Well they lost. I will, I will say this, Patrick. It um, doesn't
9: matter. It don't they matter.
2: Can, they, 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 they. Patrick, listen to yourself. It don't matter that they haven't lost a game. That don't make sense.
9: Okay, so you tell me this. So you're telling me. So let's, let's be honest. All conferences are not equal, right? Correct. Okay, so you're not going to have the same schedule. So what does the record really matter? I will like say this. We'll go schedule Crappenburg State in the first week. We won't play Texas. And you know we'll just have a 12 and 0. We'll play nobody if that's all. If that's all, if all, if all about record. They're going to have
1: an opportunity to knock off the number four ranked team in the country in Washington, and to get their
2: lick Who? back. They're going to have a chance to get their lick back. So that I, when I look it, or, at Oregon's Oregon schedule, has looked better than Alabama and Texas this year. I mean, I mean, I. I, would you agree with that, Corey? The offense looks good. Their defense isn't bad. The, I think the offense is, is superb. Uh, you know, Bo Nix has done tremendous things for Oregon and right. has created and a then, highlight reel for himself. Look, That's let, why he's going to be up for high. School. Let's be honest. As amazing and miraculous as that game was, this was an Auburn team that just lost to New Mexico State, and Alabama barely beat them. You know, Alabama barely beat Arkansas. Alabama barely beat USF. So... I think, I mean, look, I know Oregon had a close game against Texas Tech. I know Texas has had some close games, but, you know, we talk about eye tests. Oregon has just looked like a better football team. If Oregon and Alabama were to play each other, I think most of the America would favor Oregon. Well,
1: I'll say this. You look at this schedule. They, they defeated Washington State. They defeated Utah. 35-6 to 6. at the time Utah was ranked 13th in the country. And that's a big time win. USC was not ranked at the time they beat USC. And they beat Oregon State 31-7. to 7, And Oregon State was 16th ranked. So th- their strength of schedule is not elite, but it is good enough to get them where they need to be. And that's possibly playing for a national championship. And I know we have another caller calling in this evening. A caller, who am I speaking with on the final drive?
3: This is Chuck. Corey. let right, let's 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 shoot this down for Nick. Okay, just because you're undefeated doesn't necessarily mean that you belong in the playoffs. If I'm following your logic, Nick, then Liberty ought to be in the playoffs. Oh, well, now hang on a second. They're sec. undefeated, aren't they? Aren't did, they undefeated? That's what for- you said. You
2: did, just got to be undefeated. Did Florida State not beat a top five LSU team to open the year?
3: No, they were not number five when they opened the year.
2: Okay, what were they? Six? Check your math. Check your math. Come on. look. You're if on a, a team show here. If a team is undefeated at the end of the year and they've beat quality, is, beat quality is. Com- competition, Clemson, right? You beat LSU. You, you mean a four-loss
3: Clemson and a three-loss LSU.
2: But how is many that, losses? About? How many losses did they have when Florida State played them? They were ranked first when they game, played.
3: First game of the year, I think everybody was undefeated. Nick,
2: look, I I, I can tell I'm not getting through to you, but. There's a difference between you're Liberty's undefeated. You're, you're not undefeated. making sense. You're not making sense. Okay, so are you going to uh, honestly – Chuck, hang on a sec. Are you going to honestly tell me that there's no difference in Liberty's undefeated schedule and Florida State's undefeated schedule? Is that what you're telling me right now?
3: No, I am not. I know I'm not. But using the logic that you used, you said an undefeated team ought to be in there, and I'm saying that is not the case.
2: Okay, well, let me, let me and rephrase I also, my statement. I would
3: also point out, yeah uh, – Oregon did beat Utah when they were ranked, but since then they've lost twice. So they're not – they have – the only victory they now have over a ranked team is when they beat Oregon State Friday night, which they were ranked 16th, and then they failed this week too. So the level of competition has not been there. And you can spin that any way you want to. But if they played in the SEC, they'd have two, three losses probably. Uh, so, and to the to the caller's point, yeah, if this is the richest conference, talking about the SEC, spend some of that money on decent officials. Not only, Corey, was that the crew that did the Tennessee-Alabama game last year. It's the same crew that two years ago did the Auburn-Arkansas game where Bo Nix fumbled the snap from center, then spiked it, only to have the ball awarded to Auburn so they could kick a game-winning field goal in the last play of the game.
1: Yes, there, I, There's
3: no room for these guys. I,
1: I will say this. I do know that the officiating has to become and be better. They have to be held accountable. And I know that when they were talking to Dean Waite this morning on the opening kickoff, they were talking about the fact that the The only reprimand you can have is not to call an SEC championship game because you definitely don't want those type of mistakes amplified in the SEC championship game. Yeah. Now, officials are human, and they're That's going right. to miss calls. But the amount of calls that were not
2: made in the Iron Bowl and the incorrect calls that were made in the Iron like, Bowl. I, I feel like I'm a neutral party here. I feel like – the calls just did not sway the game, really, because they happened equally on yeah, both they, sides. Yeah, they did happen. And then but at here's the end thing. of the game, when it really counted, they let them play football. They did let them play football at the end, but
1: swaying is not what you're worried about. That that's not That's not the point. It's the point that you have numerous, not just one, not just two, not just three, not just four. You can point to five to seven calls within the Iron Bowl And I know that coaches do send clips to the conference office for review and to get answers for and to be questioned. But there were there were at least five to seven calls that were horrific. that were just flat out missed or flat out interpreted wrong. And you just want to see. No, you don't want a play to come down and to be decided, because imagine if a flag would have come out at the end of that game. Imagine if a flag would have been thrown for pass interference. You know, you rush three, so there's not going to be too much holding there to be called. Corey, got to be
2: quick here, but we got another caller on the line. It's our guy, Anti. Anti Anti-Rassy. Go ahead, brother.
8: Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. Hey, the SEC is about to sign a one-plus-billion-dollar deal with the new alignment. You cannot have referees that do a crappy job like they did. Both sides got horrible calls in that game, and it's been happening all season, all decade. SEC refs suck, and they've got to do something about it if we're going to be the best league. Thanks for taking my call. War Eagle.
1: You got it, Anti-Rassy. Appreciate yeah, you for Eagle tuning in. in. And he's That's right. where the t- comes from hey hey, hey listen <laughs> that said with passion yeah. but he's absolutely right the officials and the officiating does have to be better on that level and i think that we can and should do better especially when you're making
2: it known patrick and, and chuck uh, you know that See, my whole thing is and maybe i'm playing devil's crew. advocate here are we just maybe looking at this are we over magnifying this was it just a bad day at the office let's be it's not like this is the only game this crew has called since last year right there have been a bunch of games and it's not like every week we're coming on saying look at this crew and look what they did last week and the week before
1: but the scrutiny now has become greater and when you have one bad call or one missed call okay but you can't sit there and have five to seven in a game of this magnitude. You just can't have
2: it. Got to tighten it up, man. Definitely have to
1: tighten it up. We'll be right back to put the finishing touches on this Let It Marinate Monday edition. Keep the comments coming in the app as well, folks. We'll be right back.
2: Welcome back to the final drive. And Chuck, I did the research. LSU was number five. I could I could hear you getting testy with me, and I think everyone understood when I said undefeated, right? I'm not talking about like Troy from a Power Five. Yeah, come on, like Florida State has quality wins. They beat Clemson. I mean, that was they they were top fifteen at one point this year. They beat Duke. Right? When Riley Leonard was Heisman hopeful, and they were having an amazing season. So Florida State has quality wins. Yes, they lost their quarterback, which
1: stinks. Yeah, I, I which hate Which makes that.
2: Louisville, like, that could be a, a scary game,
1: right? I'm Louisville, still not sold on the Seminoles. If there's a team, I'm more so sold on Oregon
2: and Washington than I am Florida State. Guy in the app says Oregon would beat Alabama by 17. Well, what do you I, think about that? That's that good mushroom. They'd be at least a touchdown favorite. Against who? Alabama. On a neutral field. Yeah. No Oregon's way. offense is a lot better. Nick. A lot more efficient.
1: Nick. Nick. Oh, come on now, Corey. No, sir. Corey. Absolutely. Corey, that, who did
2: y'all just have to hit the miracle play against? There, who did they no lose way. to last week? There's
1: yeah. no way that that would happen against Oregon.
2: Uh, as
1: a matter of fact, there's no way Oregon would be. L- let me ask you this. Then by a touchdown. As a whole. How does the Pac-12 normally match up with SEC schools as a whole?
2: Yeah, but especially would you, during bowl season. Sure, but would you not say that this Alabama team is an outlier in Nick Saban's, you know, coaching career? It's an outlier. As far as what? Wins? No. No in terms of Results? their production. No. What? Defensively or offensively? Okay, look, we, you're, there's no dominant running back so there's no dominant o- wide receivers. Offensively,
1: offensively, yeah. you're going to speak on offensively because yes. defensively, defense it, is it, fine. It's 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 solid, and that's where Bo Nix would not be able to to have a field day. Alabama would would eat Bo Nix and spit him out, hmm. and and that's where he
2: would not he would okay. wish. And you you don't think Oregon would be more of an offensive attack than Auburn was? Again. You don't think Oregon defense is outliers, better than There's the your
1: outlier. It's for the Iron Bowl. There's your outlier. The okay, Iron what about the Arkansas
2: Bowl. game? What about South Florida? It's not an outlier South if it Fire, happens multiple South times. South Florida,
1: Milrow didn't
2: touch the field. I'm just saying, Corey. It, it's a whole different story. Oregon's a better football field. team than Alabama. No, sir.
1: I'm sorry to disagree with you on that one. No, actually, I'm not sorry to disagree with all you right. on that one. I, I love the fact that you think that. Man. But... I, I know this
2: much, Nick. Man, how the weather up there, Corey? On your high horse, man. <laughs> my man, think, uh, My man, my man watched his team beat a uh, team that lost in New Mexico State <laughs> on a last-second play, and he thinking they world champions already. Listen, <laughs> we have our
1: hands full against Georgia and the Bulldogs without question. Kirby Smart and the guys are going to bring it. We'll bring you some audio of Nick Saban's press conference along with the kind of things that Kirby Smart had to say about Jalen Milroe tomorrow. We'll also be joined by Jim Dunaway, Chris Gordy, Mike Haas, and we'll also be talking football with Scott and Tracy so you don't want to miss tomorrow's edition. Thanks, everybody. I hope you have a great one, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>
6: From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Guthrie's. America's original chicken finger restaurant is now an official partner of the Crimson Tide. For franchise information, visit Guthrie'sChicken.com. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. As we get ready for Alabama football against Chattanooga on Saturday, here are some final thoughts from head coach Nick Saban.
4: So, you know, I'm trying to emphasize, we're trying to emphasize with the players... Uh, and they've responded, you know, fairly well. But the number one focus, you know, this week needs to be on this game. Uh, we need to take care of business in this game. You know, I got out the 2016 game, which was the last time we played these guys. And the score was like 3 nothing or something halfway through the second quarter, and we were behind. So, um, and just about all the players out there playing were, you know, really good players, most of whom played in the NFL. So, uh, having your mind right. Having the right focus. I'll have more in a moment.
6: Founded in Haleyville, Alabama in 1965 by Hal and Melissa Guthrie, Guthrie's was America's first chicken finger restaurant. Guthrie's still uses the family's original southern fried chicken recipe in every chicken finger they serve, fresh, hot, and fast. Guthrie's Golden Fried Chicken Fingers has been Alabama-owned and operated for over 58 years, and is still going strong. Come see us soon. Guthrie's, America's original chicken finger restaurant and now an official partner of the Alabama Crimson Tide. For franchise information, visit Guthrie'sChicken.com. We've got you covered for Alabama football against Chattanooga on Saturday. Our radio coverage across the network will start at 8 a.m., leading you right up to kickoff at 11. For a full listing of our radio affiliates, head to RollTide.com. You can also listen to the game on the Varsity Network app and watch the Royal Furniture Booth Cam on Facebook and YouTube. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Guthrie's. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield.